What was he going to do? Beat I, you up? I actually think it is the Cork accent. I'm not going to lie. I, like, there is something about the Cork accent that makes it the most intimidating accent, accent of the 32 counties in Ireland, I think. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us so we are a couple of weeks into the new season and I'm delighted to be joined again for the new season by Brian O'Driscoll how are you keeping Brian? good Nathan and you? I'm alright there are no shortage of talking points from the first couple of weeks of the season but I want to get straight down to the heavy stuff what the hell happened with the dog Brian? Oh, the really important year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I will not be remembered as the guy who lifted the Grand Slam for the first time in no. 61 years. I'm, I'm not going to be that guy. No, I, I, I Googled your name. Can... I Googled your name, Brian, and all of those things have moved right down the page. Great. Yeah, an easy mistake could happen to anyone. Is it, is it an easy yeah. mistake? Do you have a dog? I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a dog person, which I know. Do you have a dog? Uh, I don't have a dog. I'm, I'm not a dog person. You couldn't possibly understand then what the difference of when you hand your dog into the groomers versus the one that you get back. Okay. Like, you say that, but you brought it home and I presume your wife managed to notice straight away. Well, I had my concerns. I did. <laughs> <laughs> is the dog in the front seat of the car with no, you on the way home? No, 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 no. Hang on a second. I literally the, picked the, the dog up, right? They bring one dog out and... Um, and I'm like, oh no. And then I see the willy and I was like, no, 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 that's not her. And then bring another one out and it looks pretty like Phoebe in my mind. And, and I'm like, Phoebe. <laughs> and it jumps up on me. I'm like, there we go. It's Phoebe. You just, anyway, you just got one of those friendly faces. I'm on a call. I'm on a call at the time. So, um, okay. Anyway, so I'm, so I picked her up. It was a her and I throw her into the, into the back seat of the car and then off we drive and I'm talking away and then she's very quiet in the back um in the back of the car and she gives out like a like a bark a yelpy bark and I've not heard that one before I was like god she really isn't feeling herself and um anyway I get home and when the the, re- the penny dropped when I opened the car door and she wouldn't jump out she she it was too hot, too far for her too high for her I was like really I was like, oh no. And that's when my initial concerns began, properly began. And then there was a lot of sniffing going around, going on as they led her into the driveway, into the, up to the front door. And then I opened the door and she ran in. And our au pair that is with us two weeks was there. Was, she was the first person to greet her. And she's oh, Phoebe, Phoebe. She goes, it's Phoebe? I was like, oh no. <laughs> And then I went into the back garden, um, threw into the kitchen, the back garden, and my missus was on the phone to someone, and it was like an important call, but I'm like, is this Phoebe? (laughs) She's like, what? I was like, is this Phoebe or what? And the two of us are there, Phoebe, Phoebe. No real reaction. She goes, no. So I picked the dog up and brought her back to the groomers. And I was my missus texted me going, No, that's that's definitely not her. You've taken the wrong one. So I did have this dog in the front seat with me on the way home and to try and comfort them as like they were obviously petrified. So um so oh. yeah, I went back. And listen, people are blaming the groomers. Let's be clear, there's only one person to blame in this. And that's Amy Huberman for allowing me <laughs> to go, for allowing me to go and collect said uh, dog. We, we obviously all portray our best self uh, on social media and she made light of the situation and uh, was laughing about it afterwards. Uh, did she find it quite as funny at the time? She actually did. It was like, listen, what are you going to do? It's, you know, like, it's a, it's a mistake that... <laughs> it's a mistake. Many could make. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, we were laughing about it. And, okay. yeah, I, like I said, sorry, to, to just to reinforce this, like, which when she handed her the dog into the groomers, it was a new girl. Then someone different collects them. And they go, okay, sorry, I don't know, Phoebe. I've not, I've not, you know, dealt with you before. What does she look like? As her owner of the last two and a half years, I probably should know more than her what my dog looks like. So... People that were giving out, you know, about the groomer giving away their own dog. I have to say that 
the problem lies squarely with me picking up the wrong dog. So I won't have that. We love our groomers. Okay. It's good that you've taken responsibility. And just to finish this, so we can you know move on to, I'm sure what people are actually tuning in for. Uh, do the people whose dog you mistakenly brought home know that their dog was mistakenly brought home? Yeah, so they contact me. I know the guy. Um, he, yeah, he contacted me. Oh, sorry, I, I saw him. Um, I saw him recently in... Um, yeah, in a golf club, which is unusual for me to be in a golf club currently lately. Um, so um, let me just see. Well, though it does have an upside, I'm trying to find. There we go. Right. So I did have a company go. We've we've made one of these for you, a personalized uh, body harness. Oh, beautiful. So that is on the way to the O'Driscoll household. So. I'm going to have to put that on the dog before going into the groomers next time to be 100% sure that oh, well, every cloud and all that. There we go. All right. Well, that's that settled for that's now. Five your next, that no your next get back, right? Exactly. Exactly. But that's the only thing anyone will take from this conversation. You know how the world works. Uh, so everyone now is at home listening, nodding, going, oh, I get it now. It's totally it. understandable. It's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not as big an idiot as I thought he was when I just looked at this <laughs> online. That's, it all makes perfect sense. Uh, we're I, I think this is your ninth season that's just starting since you were retired and we're heading into a World Cup cycle this time 12 months we'll be right in the middle of a World Cup cycle and I know when we talk to players over the next year it'll be we're just thinking about the next game we're just thinking about the URC or the Champions Cup or the Six Nations and they won't acknowledge it's on the horizon you've been through this cycle so many times as a player is that true? like a year out are, do these games have an importance for players in terms of that bigger picture? Um, I, 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 like it's a year is so far. I suppose it depends on your level of experience. I think if you've had a couple of these cycles, you will know that a year is such a long time, and so much can change in in that period. Be it you know personal form, um, team form, um, obviously you know the prospect of of injury to those that you're vying for position with, or injury to yourself. So I I, I do really feel as though there's no point in getting hyped about what's what's coming um you know in in 2023 at the back end of 2023 so there is very much a focus of just trying to stay relevant stay in the you know the coach's eye line uh, particularly if you're there or if you're a player on the periphery and and someone that you know isn't in the reckoning at the moment you still have plenty of time to get yourself yourself in the kind of interview um position where you can showcase what you're capable of and give them some headaches when it does come to august of next year to decision times to what that final squad of 34 i'm going to say it is i think it's got extended 30, to 34. 30, 33 34 33, yeah. yeah so yeah so like it, it's it's you know, no one is, there's obviously a few players that are safe and just thinking about staying fit. There's other guys that are thinking there's still an opportunity. And, and I, I suppose over the course of the last couple of weeks, looking at how some players have started, there's some individuals that immediately spring to mind. Um, guys like Stuart McCluskey, who, you know, just has been friendly on, on the outskirts, has gotten a handful of caps, you know, hugely regarded up north, but then when it comes to converting or opportunities to convert that form in the URC or in Europe into international, they've been limited. Um, and and so, you know, all you can do is keep playing well for your provincial team, hope that your opportunity comes again. And when it does, that you maybe excel in where you've previously been. There is a big split in the form of the provinces over the first couple of weeks with Munster and Connacht massively struggling and Leinster and Ulster setting us up for a cracking game tomorrow night up in Belfast with two relatively straightforward victories. Uh, Munster are the main talking point at the moment. So beaten by Dragons at the weekend after an opening day defeat to Cardiff. Like the weekend at the feet... The defeat at the weekend was particularly galling. Like Dragons didn't win a single home game last season, seven years since they'd beaten Munster. It is only two games into that new coaching ticket of Roundtree, Prendergast and Leamy. Are these teething problems a reflection of a greater malaise that have set in? Or is it just a couple of games at the start of a new era and these things can happen? Um, I, th- I think it's probably a bit of both, to be honest with you. I think 
if you were a Munster supporter, I, I, I guess I'm always mindful of not being overly critical this early on in the season because there's always teething problems and every new coaching ticket does need a betting in period. But I suppose all you're looking for, for are green shoots. You're looking for something to latch on to, you know, some scope of a pattern or, you know, or player development that has been worked over the course of the preseason. But genuinely, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I do think with every new coaching ticket, they have to be given more time than than the public is willing to to do. You know, there is an expectation and a, and 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 maybe an expectation that's lived too long from from a, um, a monster kind of hope and and you know I'm, I'm based on previous experience a decade since a trophy we haven't we, yeah we haven't seen the the glory years for a long time and why all of a sudden with new coaching ticket with much the same personnel should you expect wholesale change to what they're delivering um so i i am mindful of being open at this time there, there's some things that must very, really frustrate the coaching ticket on the base of what I saw at the weekend very poor discipline um unforced errors um you know questionable skill level some of the passes there must have been three or four long you know windy um, passes from skillful backs that were a meter two meters forward um you know I know they're trying to play to the width but the, it's just there's too many errors from any professional team's perspective, um, irres- you know, without taking into account what their shape looked like, what their um, what their detail looked like, I just think you're on, on hiding if you're going to deliver those sort of unforced errors and, and, and mistakes that are just going to give access to any opposition into a, into a game. Generally, Brian, when you talk about those errors and like sixty four mixed tackles in the first two matches, like 13, 13 handling errors in the last game eight turnovers in the first half alone from your experience when it is such a it feels like total systems failure is that is that a fitness thing a confidence thing a a tactical thing from what you saw of them in those first couple of games what are you putting those errors down to is it a quality Um, thing i think i think there's definitely a quality thing that's not change if you you, you remember it's not like they brought in eight or ten new players like the reality is that it's it's not the we always go back to it's not the Paul O'Connells and the, you know, the John Hayes and the Dave, you know, Dennis Leamy's and David Wallace and Alan Quinlan and Antiphone. Like these were all really, really high quality and many of them international high quality players. You, you don't have that in the monster setup at the moment. You just don't. And we've we've got to, you know, accept that that is the case right now and that you you live in hope that, you know, the, the academy players that are coming through are going to turn into some of the, that type of quality of, of player. But for now, if you look at first 15s and the individuals that are involved in them, we've said this for a number of years, the fun five in particular, you know, you take, um, you take Ty Byrne out of that front five. I, I, you know, that you're you're not going to you know, give anyone sleepless nights on on some of the individuals in there, and on their day, very capable players. You know, Kilcoyne, great ball carrier, but even watching him at, at the weekend, and I think he's in danger of doing himself a little bit of of uh, of danger in, in selection for the World Cup squad because he's a good ball carrier, but so much of his decision making now comes to carrying when. The option might be elsewhere because I don't know how comfortable he is getting into that fir- that role as a first receiver and pulling the ball out the back. He looked totally um, um, uneasy um, once where he had to do it, pivoted through the ball on the ground. Some players just look way more natural. And even in Archer's case, he looks far more natural. He can carry and throw the blind pass. And if you're looking at trying to get yourself into... Andy Farrell's squad, the way they're trying to play, well, you're going to really have to work on, on that aspect. Um, Scannell, likewise, you look at the dynamism of all of the other hookers, you know, the two at Leinster, you look at Tom Stewart um, at the weekend, uh, in the Connacht game, you know, looks really impressive, ball-carrying ability, footwork. I think Scannell is kind of of the old-school hooker mold, so he's going to have to change up his game a little bit. John Klein, maybe I've been critical of him in the past. You know, he you know had a bit of a head knock. 
um, and, and he'll do a job for you. But again, I don't think you're going to scare anyone. Maybe it'll do a job at URC level, but when it comes to uh, European level, you know, you look at the international caliber and the best teams, they will they, they will feel as though they'll comfortably have the better of some of those individuals. And that hasn't changed. Are you really surprised then that they let the likes of John Ryan and Jason Jenkins leave during the summer? Well, you look at what happened, what's happening with, you know, with um, Cronin as well over in Leicester. I've watched a little bit of him over the, um, over the start of the season. He's flying for, um, for, Le- for, for Leicester. Um, you look at John Ryan, you know, you let them go. Maybe John Ryan, it's John Ryan's decision as well. You know, he, all of a sudden you're looking at guys that realize they're probably out of the, the international pecking order. They're looking for bigger paydays, looking for a new opportunity, a new lease of life, maybe. Um, so so now all of a sudden you're not being able to hold on to the players that you couldn't even hold on to a COVID given a new contract or So as though there, there's just been a shift um, in ability to maintain the Munster aura and I and I still think they are capable of those big one-off performances and get themselves emotionally hyped for it but I think consistently getting to that next level where we've become used to them managing to get over the course of the noughties delivering time and time again I just don't know if they are that side anymore based on the personnel based on the skill level and now you know based on the new coaching ticket coming in without being able to properly stamp their authority in what way they want to play the game so there's i do think there's multiple factors you know working their their way that said i do think if you look at the moments where they they did do something good and and, and one stood out and, and you look at the personnel that were involved in it where zebo got high tackled there was the yellow card they scored the try straight afterwards their their phase set up Peter O'Mahony was the ball carrier. Tyg Byrne was the one running the short line. Um, and, and all of a sudden you're um you're drawing in defenders and Healy goes into the space to be able to, you know, throw the ball out to to, to Zebo. They're the small things. The personnel know what they're doing there. So what they need to do is they need time with the team to go away, talk through to you know to the academy players, to the peripheral players, and get them understanding what the expectation is on lines of running. I think their timing was way off. And as a result, they weren't fixing any of the Dragons' defense and it was bread and butter to them. You mentioned O'Mahony and Byrne in that phase of play. Like that touches on Donico Callahan's criticism after the match on this huge gap, it seems, in leadership that we're still talking about the same players when it comes to Munster as that leadership group. And the next level, the 24, 25 year olds who are coming up, when O'Mahony's not there, when Byrne's not there, nobody seems to fill their boots. Whereas on Leinster, it seems from Lancaster in particular, they've put such a focus on leadership with every stage. So the URC team, there are players there when Sexton isn't involved, when Van der Fleer isn't there, that will step up. Like that's, that's the culture side of it for Munster that Roundtree really needs to get to grips with very quickly. Uh, but, but also, that's why I said you've, you've got to give someone a couple of years at that. that. You know, you can't expect miracles this year. You know, a coach coming in as, as an assistant to Johan van Graan, there's only so much of a voice you can have. You've got to follow suit of what the head coach wants to do. And yes, in private meetings with them, you can put your point across, but you have to show unity. Even if you don't fully endorse or back what the coach is doing, they're the head coach, you're the assistant coach. He's in a very different role this time around. Now he's the head coach. And he's going to be working with um with Prendy um at, you know as a as a tax coach. Um, you know, and 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 their cohesion is going to take, you know, not you can't just get it done in a preseason. It's going to take a number of months. It might take the full year for them to understand what they're trying to do, what way they want to change the game, and what players they have at their disposal to be able to do that. We know as well, internationals are going to be taken out at certain times. So they're going to have to give the trust and the confidence into some of those academy players that maybe aren't quite to the same standard of what Leinster have in their reserves. Bush, you're going to have to work with what you've got and and make the most of it. But there are some very talented young guys coming through Munster as well. They just have to, you know, give them game time, give them an ability to make mistakes and learn um, as a result of it, and and they will be better for it. But it, I don't think it'll be all of a sudden. The expectation should be for there to be, you know, disappointment on what Van Graan did over the course of three or four years, and then all of a sudden you're you're just 
topping up on on the good work and not and not the bad stuff. I think you're starting afresh. You're building new foundations. You're building a new shape and a new game plan, a new confidence within the team, and that will take time. And everything needs to build into that. It's interesting. We were talking to Shane Daly on the show last week, and he was talking about his role as somebody who played across the back three for Munster over the last couple of years. And Johan van Grand didn't make a whole lot of use of them, but Mike Prendergast's game plan is going to be very different. So suddenly he's going to have ball in hand an awful lot more than he had over the last three or four years. And I presume that's not just in the 80 minutes of the match. That's on the training ground as well. So that's a pretty seismic shift in what a lot of these young players, and for them, Johan van Grand's style is all they know. Yeah, it is, and um, and and you know, there's a big, uh, there's always a big kicking influence to the South African game. It's what they're what they've been brought up on, and so sometimes as an outside back, when you don't get a lot of touches, it's pretty frustrating just chasing kicks. You know, be it box kicks or or you know, long kicks for territory. You know, you'll do you'll do that because it's part of being a you know good team player. But it, it can be very frustrating as as an outside back. You want the ball in your hands. You have an ability to to get as many touches as you can. Showcase you know what you're capable of. Your skill set. Your ability to beat players one on one. Your speed and agility. All those factors are what outside backs thrive on. No no outside back wants to chase kicks all day. They just don't. Um. So. Uh, giving them a, a, a license to be able to play a little bit wider, it'll take some time to really get an understanding as to what that looks like. You know, they, they're trying to do it, obviously, with some of those long passes, just in real inaccuracy. And once or twice, they, ha- they got, you know, they they got a great yardage on the back of, you know, one or two of Healy's really good passes out to Zebo right in front of, and all of a sudden you're 10, 20 yards in behind teams. And, and that is great. But you can't have one of those and and you know two forward passes that that got called back for a scrum and all of a sudden you're pinned back into your own you know your own twenty two on the back of that uh, of unforced errors that you just can't you have, you have to build strategy and confidence on low risk rugby and low error rugby that is a way to get yourself into um, into a better spot and, and get the whole squad feeling as though they're going in the right direction. When you're stop start and you're trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat and all of a sudden it's 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 not going anywhere, that does nothing for the confidence levels of the new guys and the and the peripheral guys. International guys will be fine, but everybody else is going to feel, God, are we going the right way? Is this the right tack that we need to be taking? Do we need to cut our cloth and go back to what we know and, and, and feel we're good at? Ben Healy was one of the few bright spots at the weekend. We spend a lot of time talking about Carberry putting pressure on Sexton for Ireland. Do you see Healy putting pressure on Carberry this season for Munster? Yeah, I think so. I, I like Healy as a player. I think he's a nice player. I think he plays with a swagger. And, um, you know, he he plays pretty direct to the line, maybe not as good as well as as the best guys. He's got a good passing game and that's why I'm able to pick out, you know, the couple of errors that he made on the long passes. I think he has a really good passing game in general. He's got a huge boot as well. So I, I do like him as, as a player and I think he should absolutely be earmarking and um, putting proper pressure on, on Joey this year. I'm sure he'll have learned a lot. I saw his interview in the Sunday Times last weekend talk about, you know, his misses and, and just, you know, having an ability to park them. He seems like the sort of individual that's capable of doing that, that won't carry that as baggage. And, and you want that in your player. You want someone that is playing with big confidence, that really backs themselves, but now he has to deliver that. Um, and it's it's most important of all players that your out half is a low error guy, that he does the simple things well, but when he does decide to you know, pull out a little bit of magic or throw that long pass, that it's accurate and that stays in hand. Um, so, you know, his try that he scored at the weekend, lovely little, you know, um, kind of hover in behind the mall. It was uh, on the on the driven line out uh, and really nice from Craig, Craig Casey, the delayed pass. But that stuff is brilliant. It, it, there's no doubt he's got that running game in him. Um, he just needs to kind of reduce the errors to 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 make sure that everyone around him goes, okay, he's he's the point of difference that we have. He's the security guy. You know, let's play with him. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. 
Munster plays Ibra in Cork on Saturday night. I think it's fair to say it would be crisis time if they were to end up losing that game. They've never lost to Ibra before, who have not got a win this season, but have pushed Leinster very tight on the opening day. Uh, Leinster then started with back-to-back wins, uh, as they always seem to do in the uh, URC, beat Zebra, and then ran up a big score against Benetton at the weekend. But the main story is obviously the confirmation that Stuart Lancaster is going to leave Leinster next summer, take over as head coach at Racing in Paris. Uh, he'll have been at Leinster for seven seasons by then. When he arrived back in 2016, everyone wondered how that balance of power will be divided between himself and Leo Cullen. It has just turned out to be the most beautiful meeting of minds. Yeah, it really has. I think, you know, it was, it was probably a perceived risk um, because of what happened with England in 2015. But I, I don't think, you know, I think we're able to retrospectively re- reflect now on on what Stuart wasn't able to do as England, as England manager. He, he was very much, um, he, he was very much like the, the non-coach, he wasn't able to do what he loved doing. He was able to, um, wasn't able, you know, all the press stuff that he did, all the extra peripheral stuff, I, I think it, that was not his cup of tea. And he will have to deal with that in wrestling, I'm sure, when it comes to it. But, but what Stuart is excellent at is he is um, he is an outstanding coach and he wants to be on in a tracksuit every day. He's not your conventional football manager that you know, watches other te- other you know coaches you know train the team and then he selects the side. That's not him. He wants to be down and dirty with them. He wants to see the improvement day to day. And it was a meeting of minds because I think Leo was, was comfortable in his position of being able to have a master plan, but allow Stuart to go around go about um, you know, the different components of the game and, and plugging him into that that overall system. So it will he'll be a huge hugely difficult guy to replace he um i guess leinster would never have thought they would have had him for seven seasons so they should be very thankful for the fact um i've only heard great things about him he's been incredibly generous to me as an analyst um in meeting up and pointing me in the right direction so he's a guy that is more than happy to share his ip um and um a very very impressive guy and a really nice guy to be so you can't have uh, any bad will towards him about leaving i think we've done very well from a leinster perspective we i'm sorry there sorry um you know leinster have done very well to have 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 had him for seven years if in honesty you know one Heineken Cup or Champions Cup in that time is probably a bit of a disappointment considering the semis and finals. But this, the, the quality of play and where and the development of the squad has been outstanding. And I think that's what will set Leinster up. Irrespective of who does come in, the the, the confidence that those younger players now have, as you talk, alluded to earlier on, um, you know, bodes well for any other coach that may come in and, and take Well, on. on that then, so it's a time of huge change for Leinster from right at the very top. So Mick Dawson is just a part of the CEO. Johnny Sexton is probably, it's, it's gone from definitely to probably going to be retiring in a year's time after the World Cup. Uh, we've seen Dennis Leamy and Felipe Contopomi go, Sean O'Brien and Adric Goodman have come in. And Leo Cullen is on this constant rolling one-year contract. Now, there's no suggestion that he's he's going to leave anytime soon. But does that put a pressure because of Cullen's contractual situation on Leinster to replace Lancaster with an experienced head? Or could they go for an up-and-coming coach? Could they look at a Sean O'Brien or an Andrew Goodman and say, you know, even one year at this club, you're ready to step up? Um, I think there's a few factors in this. You know, the last thing you want is mass change, and and there has been an awful lot of change, you know, with Mick Dawson behind the scenes, um, you know, with Dennis Leamy moving on, with Felipe moving on. They they are significant changes. Um, So you do want a stability um, I, I guess a huge amount will be will be dependent on what happens with Leo on his one year rolling contracts. If he continues um, with that, you know, you would be hopeful that he will remain the constant there, and who, whatever personnel comes in will um, support him in his overall vision of of the way that the the club is going, the direction they're going. Um, yeah, like if Leo goes, you know, I think you're looking at a very different individual coming in that has a completely new vision and probably someone that um is experienced and it is an attractive job to 
um, to draw in you know necessary applicants. Um, in other cases, you know, I guess the other thing too is you, you can't leave it too late. You know, the last thing you want is for the best coaches to be snapped up by other teams. Um, so you would want clarity around where individuals see their roles over the coming years. I think someone that's kind of the forgotten man on, on this who might fit in perfectly to that environment is someone like Jordan Murphy. Um, you know, obviously an Irish guy. Um, things didn't go brilliantly for him at Leicester, but yet you look at the foundation of what he built. There's no doubt that Steve Borthwick um, added to those foundations on the back of it. They managed to win the Premiership last year. Uh, he's gone from coaching at the moment, but... From an intellect point of view, there's not many sharper uh, players than Jordan Murphy. The way he saw the game, um, the vision that he has as a player himself, but also from a coaching perspective. And I think he probably got caught a little bit in that Stuart Lancaster world as head coach, where there was so much other stuff, peripheral stuff to be focusing on that he wasn't able to give the time and energy and efforts to the actual coaching. So him coming in in a supporting role, a um, an attack coach role or even in a defensive role, I think could fit brilliantly right. well. Obviously, the two lads played together in Leicester mm. as well. They know each other. They get on well. Jordy doesn't have any ego as well. He'd be more than happy to to you know share the wealth of of success with Leo and vice versa. So I, it just looks from the outside. If you're thinking about individuals to come and fit into Lancaster's role, I think you could do an awful lot worse than someone like Jordy. So he is a, a boots on the ground kind of guy. Yeah, I, I, I like he would say he would tell you he'd want to be. Yeah, like that's what his you know that that's what he was in Leicester before he became, um, you know, before he became head coach. He might have even been de- director of rugby, which again kind of almost excludes you again from the actual on-field stuff. You know, there's so much other you know commercial sides and you know contracts, all of that stuff. If you take all of that away from him and put him in as a head coach, I think you would get um, a really, really top quality coach. But again, a coach that would need a little bit of time to, to bed into the new environment. But you look at the skill level of you know the backs that would be at his disposal in particular, I can only imagine some of the launch plays because he's a great imagination. He, you know, he had that Leicester team, even when that you know the forwards are probably you know having a having a difficult time. I think some of their launch plays from a back's perspective were always exciting with with him at the helm. So yeah, he's he's one name for me that springs to mind. Obviously, the Irish thing, the personality-wise, all just kind of would fit in well to that environment. So um it'll be interesting to see whether he you know throws his name into into the ring if um if if Leo kind of goes looking for someone to to fill Stuart's uh, void. Uh, the trying to plan now probably rules Sexton out because the last thing you can do in this having a conversation a year out from the World Cup about coming in and taking over as a head coach, it, it feels like a step too far. Maybe it's not because he's such an experienced player. Yeah, it, it's a really difficult one to become, to go, you know, player head coach as Leo found. And, and Leo's done a brilliant job with it to, to, he did go in as assistant coach, I think, for a year, but then to you know to get it not through default, but maybe before he might have anticipated getting the head coaching role. Um, it, it's 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 a real challenge um, to kind of differentiate yourself as one of the lads to then all of a sudden that you know that coach that to be respected and and looked at slightly differently. Um, I, I don't know what Johnny wants to do. You know, he's obviously doing. His one day a week with our dad at the moment. Whether he has, you know, long term aspirations to to continue that route, um, or whether he wants to get back into coaching, my sense is that I, he'll want his weekends back a small bit. You know, he's been gone for fifteen years. Uh, he's got three young kids, and um, you know, he, you know, I see him up at rugby on a on a Sunday morning. Our, our boys play together, um, and so I, you so know, are your kids that, on the same team? The, our kids are on the same team. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Wowzers. We're scrutinizing those coaches every single I, week to hear like, what, sorry, their, like what that, their drills that, look like. Well, why, why aren't you coaching them? Come on, step up. I, sure, I'm gone. I'm gone every other weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'm gone every, wow, I'm like, that is a yeah. lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure, those coaches. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. 
good. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Life's, it's not meant to be easy. This, this, and, and, and the kids playing in similar positions. Voluntary, voluntary coaching is <laughs> not meant coaching. to be easy. Come on, um, giving no, up your no, time for free. There's no positions yet. There's no positions okay. yet. But L- Lucas Sexton likes a high shot like his old man, so <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Well, there's a, a there's a, a documentary in that if uh, <laughs> if we wanted to go down that route, we we'll follow their paths over the coming years. Uh, just to finish up on Leinster, then uh, Rory O'Connor was saying on Monday Night Rugby that Leinster players are raving about Sean O'Brien, and he seems to have a greater influence already than Dennis Leamy, and that he's in the coaching box for the games. And Andrew Goodman's arrival seemed to come somewhat under the radar during the summer. He's in as assistant coach. He'd spent some time with Crusaders. You would have played with him for a couple of yeah. years. Yeah. What sort? What sort of character is he? Good. Good guy. Um. I, I guess I'm trying to think. He, he would have been. He, he would have seen the game well. Very experienced. Just a cool head for us. You know. Maybe. Um. You know. Rather than an exceptional talent, just a a, a good footballing understanding. Um. So uh, I I'd be bluffing if I said I knew an awful lot about what his what you know. What his what he saw as his coaching vision, or how he's going to bring a, a you know a, a new dimension to what the Leinster setup looks like. I, I guess time will tell. Um, so yeah, you know, fair play to him. He obviously went NPC into into the Crusaders, and then you know to get this gig is is fantastic for him. But obviously, he's he's done some really good stuff with the teams he's been involved in to to warrant it and. And maybe you know the again his IP is you know greater than I'm I'm giving him credit. You know when it came to the European team, it would have been me and Darce. I would have played intermittently with him in you know the whatever the Pro Twelve teams it was at that time. So my memories of him kind of really coming in and dominating team meetings would be minimal. I guess he did have some pretty overpowering individuals in, <laughs> you know, in, um, in, you know, Carnes and Lukey and uh, myself and Johnny and Owen Redden and, and, and Gordon being there too. So maybe, you know, he, he was only in a couple of years. So he, he probably wasn't the, the outspoken person that I'm sure he's subsequently become as a coach, but um, I, I'm really keen to, to kind of see what, you know, different differentiator he brings to the to the setup to the launch plays to um to his new role within this lesser environment um so yeah, again it's another thing where uh, uh, you know a little bit of probably four or five months to see um some new content from from him will make it really interesting to see what his you know what way he wants the game played should be an absolute cracker up in Ravenhill tomorrow night. Ulster against Leinster. Uh, Ulster started with that victory against Connacht, then put 55 points on Scarlets at the weekend. 12 tries in their first two matches. Uh, playing a brilliantly attractive style of rugby. And it feels like a very exciting time. Now, before with, with Ulster, when it comes to the big moments, maybe they've been found wanting at times, but it does feel as though they're on the cusp of something. They've started well for for the last number of years, and 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 in fairness, they have improved year on year under Dan McFarland. You know, they, um, it feels like they're building a they are building a squad. I think a bit like Munster, the, the, the might be asked around when it comes to European around their front five. Um, Treadwell, I have to say, been really impressed with him since he's come into the Irish setup. Anytime he's come off the bench, obviously the big thing is about keeping Henderson fit. Um, you know, Herring has done a good job for Ireland. So, you know, now with a couple of props that you know, Marty Moore playing good stuff. Um, you know, the the you know the even their backup looks a little bit more um, stable. You know, guys like Tom Stewart coming through as well. It does feel as though the the momentum shifting on getting credibility in that area where maybe they didn't lay the platform in the past and, and teams felt as though they could shove them around. There's no doubt they've got some very talented backs. They've always had quite talented backs. And now there's a lovely balance between, you know, even the likes of Jacob Stockdale coming back and the amount of touches he got last weekend, you know, hungry for work. He's kind of the forgotten man. Oh, um, 26, and, Jacob Stockdale. Like he's still only 26. Yeah, and you yeah. forget he was player, player of the championship when Ireland won the Grand Slam in 2018. Coming into his prime, you know, 27, 28. Obviously, when you start that young, you know, probably comes a little bit earlier to you, but, you know, Fully formed, probably. I'm sure he's worked very hard at his fitness levels. It looks he's very sharp. Um, but you look at the 
you know, even Robert Balakun, I'm very excited about about him as a player. Um, over the course of the next um, um year or so, Mike Lowry playing at full back, Marshall's back, um, McCluskey playing great, um, Doak, you know, potentially putting a bit of pressure on Cooney, who's who's gone off to a flyer as well. So, th- they've always had really exciting backs. The the, the question marks have been had them been able to create a, enough of a platform for them to do their thing. And I think now they are beginning to, uh, you know, with the likes of Timoney um, for Mullen, for him to come back now as well. I think um, as an ultra fan, you should get excited. They have been here before with, you know, starting very well and maybe petering out a little bit towards the end of the season. But um provided they don't get overly excited about where they are, which maybe they've done in the past as players and as supporters and done a little, maybe take a, a, a lesson from the Irish team of, of their learning from four years ago, you know, before the World Cup, you know, good work done, but lots to evolve, lots to shape, lots to improve on. Um, and I think they'll be in a good spot come the later parts of the season if they continue playing some of the brand they are. They need to shore up a few things. You can't, shouldn't be conceding 39 points or whatever it was against Scarlets. But a bit, Kev, a bit Kevin Keegan-ish then. We'll score 50 if you score 30. It's good to watch though. It's good to watch. It is good to watch. watch tomorrow night. Like, listen, everyone wants tries, you know, but defensive coaches don't want tries. So that's the only, that's the only thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, they're definitely doing a lot of, a lot of really good stuff. They're, they're you know impressing um and building on what they have built over the last two or three years but what's that next step is it is it a urc title is it a european semi-final or final are they there yet i'm not i'm not fully sure just now but they're going in the right direction for sure you touched on Stuart McCluskey earlier on and this maybe feeds into the conversation around bundiaki and the impact of his red card at the weekend so if we're doing the power rankings for the centres, it'll be Henshaw, Ringrose, Aki, Hume, McCluskey. Yeah. Well, that, what Hume does McCluskey... Hume isn't a 12. Like, like, I think the problem is, you know, McCluskey's the third 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and you know, people will say, certainly, you know, up north, I think they, they're scratching their heads as how he hasn't been uh, included more because of some of his performances. I, I think... The reality is that when he's played for Ireland, it, he's been good, but that size and power games gets negated. You know, you have to be multifaceted. You have to have lots of dimensions to your game. I think there's been question marks around the quality of his passing game. Um, and Are you seeing any change in, in that? Um, I think the problem is he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. Like, you look at that offload against, or the Marshall try was at the weekend or the first weekend. Like, that was absolutely sumptuous. It really was. Not many players are capable of that level of offload. And going into the collision, knowing you've got the levers to be able to pull that off is, is you know, pretty spectacular. But yes, you won't get away with that internationally. South Africa won't allow you to play that way. So you've got to have more too. You've got to have footwork on the line. Like being, you know, being playing crash, bang, wallop, it just doesn't work internationally at the highest level. Again, some of the lesser teams maybe, yeah, which maybe he's he's been involved in, you know, the USA's and so on and, and weakened Argentinian teams. But when it comes to, you know, the England, France, the South Africa, New Zealand, Australia's, um, you, you just have to have lots more to your game. And the passing part is very important. To, to this Irish setup. And I think if you look at the quality of the passers across those five names you mentioned in the centre, I think his is the weakest passing game um, of all of them. It's it's the least natural, and it's something that he should continue working on. I need to see a little bit more if, if, if he's given a lot of time to it over the course of um, a preseason. It's not throwing long passes, it's throwing long passes under massive pressure or having an ability and a willingness to throw when you know it, you know, it, it looks as though it's against you, but, but having the confidence to do that. He, a lot of the time he'll tuck instead of throwing that pass because he knows that's what he's good at. Whereas you've got to have an ability that sleight of hand and he's shown it at times, but you just have to show it time and time again. So Connacht beaten at the weekend again, 38-15 to Stormers. Uh, Bundiaki, in his 10 minutes on the pitch, conceded three penalties and shown a red card at a time when the game was still really in the balance. In fact, Connacht went over for a try uh, that ended up in disallowed because of Bundiaki's red card. He's been sent off twice for Ireland as well. Like, are we at a stage of a conversation with Bundiaki where 
Andy Farrell is looking at him thinking, like, this is too much of a liability. Think back to the last World Cup and missing the quarterfinal. Well, the two red cards is obviously nerve-wracking. You know, the high shot against um, Billy Vanapola, the, um, the, you know, the, was it a high Six shot? Six Nations yeah, last year, yeah. Was, yeah, was it, Samoa. Uh, was it Samoa, yeah. Um, so, yeah, listen, I, I suppose any time you've got, well, anyone can miss once. You know, if you miss a couple of times, now this red card, I have to say, you know, uh, the, the collision in the game, I have sympathy for him. I really do. Like, um, yes, you do have to outlaw those, those you know, shoulder on head conditions, but, you know, I suppose his, his protestation against the referee is the really negative part in this. I think technically he came in um, too aggressively to the collision and you are going to have to look at leaving those moments off and that's the reality of it if you can't find an access point of hitting at the back of the shoulder or getting you know a lower body position to to you know win, win that shoulder collision if someone's latched in on that you can't crock roll anymore that's being outlawed so unfortunately you're going to have so to where, be where does the sympathy come from then well, it's just there's no there's no place to go in contact. If someone has their head tucked in there and there's no place to hit, you come in and you're trying to be ferocious and you're trying to, you know, lay down a marker. Kind of, I remember that Stephen Gerrard uh, came off at half, came off, uh, came on at half time against everything a few years ago towards the end of his career was sent off within like 30 seconds United, or a yeah, yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, was it United? Yeah. Under Herrera, yeah, yeah, it was that. It was really it kind of banged that. Um, where it's like, okay, I'm here. I'm one of the big players. I'm here to lay down a few markers. And those collisions are a huge part of the game. But unfortunately, you can't be out of control the way he was. And if you are out of control coming charging in, you're going to get no sympathy from TMOs. A few years ago, that was a brilliant clear out. It's actually in, in commentary. I don't know who it was, but said, oh, brilliant clear out from, from Bundyaki. But the reality is where we are now, we're trying to protect players' heads and concussions and reduce concussion rates. You can't come in, fly into contacts like that nonchalantly, and 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 have shoulder contact to head. So I, I totally get where it is a red card. I'm 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 all for that, but it doesn't mean that I don't have a little bit of sympathy because he doesn't have an access point to actually clear that individual out. Difficult in a in a meeting on on Monday morning when you know your coach goes to you, well, where was your clean out there? Well, I thought I was going to make contact with his head, so I left him off. That's a that's a tough conversation to say to have as well. So, you know, sympathy for the for the moment, understanding that it's a red card, unacceptable, challenging the referee. But yet, I could see that frustration in him too. It's a bit of drift with Connacht at the moment. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, they need to kind of pull it back together. I'm not sure who they who they have this weekend. The Stormers. Um, Stormers at oh, home. Sorry, the Bulls. The Bulls. Oh, the Bulls at home. So right? they beat them yeah. last season, but the Bulls have obviously been. Uh, pretty strong yeah like that's um yeah that's a, a difficult oh sorry that's the monster that's next weekend jeez that's gonna be away and then monster next weekend in loftus versfeld yeah that that's there are four tough games just you know well to start with like to get to have to go to south africa that quickly um and to to go away to ulster which is a very difficult place to go and play then go stormers then go bulls and then have monster like then Leinster. And then Lancer, Jay. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't envy them having that run. That's that's a you won't get many tougher runs uh, to start off a season, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's not inconceivable that you could be zero from five, and you know, even though they haven't been brilliant, um, that is a really difficult fixture list to to kind of to stomach. And you know your season's all over after five games. Okay, granted they they're not in Europe in top tier Europe this season, are they? They're in no, uh, they're in the Challenge Cup. Yeah. yeah, they're in the Challenge Cup. So you know, like they, there's that, but you know they want to build on some of the momentum of of the cat in the last couple of years, and and that's sucking the life out of them a bit at the moment. Yeah, it doesn't give you a chance, uh, but midweek either to regroup and reset or anything like that, and try a few players out when the games are so tough. Uh, so, speaking of South Africa, the Emerging Ireland squad are down there at the moment. They played their first game tomorrow of this three-game series. Uh, a lot of people felt it was built as almost a Kieran Frawley series, an opportunity for him to go and show that he's the leader of this group and to run three matches under an Irish coaching ticket. Uh, and then he picks up an injury and isn't in the travelling party. 
what what's your thoughts on firstly this tour even happening in the midst of a season and the potential benefits and players who could really benefit and make a mark on this yeah listen I, well what what my thoughts are and what the you know provincial head coaches thoughts are might be two very different things to you know to lose players please someone like um Andy Friends to lose some of his um, star players, young up, up and coming players at, at key times can't have been too uh, palatable. But I suppose it's got to be with the greater picture of of developing these players for future internationals. Are many of these guys going to break their way into um, the World Cup reckoning next year? You can't imagine someone, maybe the likes of Balakoon could. Um, it's too early for Jamie Osborne and, you know, the likes of Shane. Balakoon's the, the one you look at the question, isn't it? Like, is, would Balakoon be better off playing against Leinster tomorrow night? Would you learn probably, more about Balakoon in that Probably. Sort of like, he, he's done enough. The other thing as well is I can see the development in others, but I, I would want to see him pit himself against, you know, some of the Leinster players rather than unknown South African players. Um, and that's the reality. I, I don't know too many of these Griqua players that have been named yesterday. Um yeah, I suppose players like Doak, it's probably a, a better opportunity to see he's going to be sitting on the bench, so an opportunity to see what he's capable of. Um, maybe the out halves. You know, I know Doak might be playing at, at 10. He's he can he can play in that role as well, but an opportunity, I don't know. I haven't seen a huge amount of Flannery and and you know Crowley again promise so much as a young player under 20s and it and it's kind of faded away. So a good chance for him. I, I am interested in seeing what um, Tom Stewart does, having seen nothing of him other than you know the, his performance um, last weekend um, or two weekends ago. He looked dynamic. He is he's right of, out of the cut of um, the two Leinster boys, which is exactly where you want hookers to be, guys that are comfortable out in that open field, playing on the touchline, ball players, footwork, but then can mix it up in in the tough as well. And I I heard sure I heard um, Stephen Ferris talking about how he's highly uh, considered up in, up in Ulster at the moment, still under 20, as, as, as I understand. So there aren't too many guys. Joe McCarthy, like I said, he he could be in the mix. And then some of these back rower uh, players, you know, Prendergast is obviously the probably the big name um, from, from the back row, but, you know, uh, Kandelan and Penny and Hodnett, all, all of them have shown well on a URC level, haven't gotten a huge amount of time at, at European level. So this is probably a step up for them to prove what they're worth. It's such a competitive place, the back row. So you can't envisage right now too many of those breaking into the Irish team soon, but you got to look with a view to kind of two, three years time as well. And these guys being um, regular starters when you see the end, the end of the likes of Peter O'Mahony and, and one or two others. All our rugby and off the ball is a Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Brian, great stuff as always. Cheers, Nathan. Talk to you later. Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.